This is the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. You can find the show on Twitter at All Around Guy Podcast One, and you can email the show at All Around Guy Podcast at gmail.com. Week 18, an extra week of regular season football. This is the All Around Guy podcast with Mitchell Stevens. Big show today. We're going to make history with a first. We have producer Tim joining us on the show. Excited to have him. You can hear him clapping in the background. We'll have the show open with Clown of the Week. There is a few to choose from, but one that was a really easy choice. All Around 5, we need a redemption after a week ago. Feel really good heading into this week. And then we'll close with our first ever listener submitted question for some advice from the All Around Guy podcast. Thank you so much for making the show a part of your day. Let's get started. Here we go again. The clown of the week. You can't fix stupid. of the weeks with NFL head football coaches and guess what we have another one this week this time it's New York Giants football coach Joe Judge I think by this point we've all seen the rant he went on after the game for over 11 minutes talking about quote this ain't some clown show organization just teeing me up there and, and he's right the Giants are not a clown show organization Tom Coughlin, two-time Super Bowl champion, respected coach. The Maras are respected owners across the NFL. So he's right about that. What he's wrong about is himself because he's been a clown of an NFL head coach since he's been in New York. And you know how I know that he doesn't really have it is when you start hearing coaches use terms like the general terms, buzzwords. He's used culture, culture probably like 10 times within 11 minutes talking about what he's trying to set and how that doesn't happen overnight. And he's right, it doesn't happen overnight. But if Dan Campbell in about three or four months can go into Detroit and change the culture of that team and the outlook of Detroit and the buzz that he's created in just months, Joe Judge has had two years, which is plenty of time. He also talked a lot about, hey, I do all these evaluations, X's and O's, really general terms that sound a whole lot of stuff like he doesn't do or he doesn't know what's going on in the X's and O's because he's a special teams guy. How would he know what's going on to evaluate players in the X's and O's? And really, when he ran special teams in New England, Belichick just told him what to do in every situation. We saw that you know, with some of those highlights from NFL film, films. And then my favorite is when you get a real football guy up there like Joe Judge, you know, the National Football League guy, and he talks about man-to-man that we're men in the locker room, we look each other in the eye, we tell each other how it is. You know who doesn't actually do that? Is people that have to say, we're man to man, I look you in the eye, I can say what I want. People that are doing that are already just just doing it and don't have to describe it. Like Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, who will have eloquent ways after the game to talk about um, what he's gonna do in the locker room and talk to the guys. Joe Judge seems absolutely lost in New York. You don't go on that 11-minute rant if you haven't lost the locker room. He's lost the locker room. John Mara doesn't want to have another another year of firing coaches after two years because you had Pat Shermer and Ben McAdoo only make it two years before getting fired. So now he wants to keep Joe Judge for a third year just for that, which, by the way, is a clown decision. (laughs) That's not using logic. When they got Joe Judge, the best special teams coach that's been a head coach is John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Culture guy. They didn't get that with him. Harbaugh's eloquent. Players respect him. Joe Judge has lost the locker room. You can see it after that 11-minute ramp. He tried to make Jason Garrett, a.k.a. the clapper, the fall guy. That hasn't worked out well for him. And it's there's so many easy things to go into with Joe Judge's ramp. But I think the one thing that absolutely needs to be called out is he said that there's players that have left the team that are, want to come back and play for him for less money. There's absolutely nobody doing that. Because who wants to go to one of the worst football teams in the league for less money and play for Joe Judge? 
Does it look like there anyone's having fun in the Giants at any point this year? Who do you think a player is that's like, hey, let me go play for that guy? I want to know who it is because they'd be included in this segment. There's no way that's real. There's no way that's real. So he gave us a lot of easy stuff, but I think there's I have I have two takeaways from this. One is that it's clear to me he's lost the locker room the way he had to defend himself. And Mara, I think that press conference probably cost him his job. I don't think there's I don't know how you do that and you come back next year. You think he's gonna be fired? I think he's gonna be fired. After what? At the end of the year, yeah. I don't know after that press conference how there's a rookie in the draft class or there's a free agent that's right now that's like, man, I want to go play for the Giants. I mean, don't you just think if he gets fired at the end of this year or not, like he's going to get fired. There's no way Joe Judge is coaching this team in two to three years. He's definitely not coaching in two years. I think I – think Mara wanted to try and get some stability, keep him for a third year. After this press conference, I don't know how you do that. I think you just have to take firing three coaches in a row after two years. It's probably the best thing for Daniel Jones. Like, do we expect a Joe Judge, Daniel Jones combination next year to be any different than what we've seen the past two years? Absolutely not. I mean, and you look at who Joe Judge hires, Jason Garrett who's boring and then you get rid of him for Freddie fucking kitchen, <laughs> Freddie kitchen. Like, Oh my goodness. So that's not any better. So you really like just looking at who he brings into the team to help develop these guys. It's that old school mentality. And it's a little bit like we talked about two months ago with stubbornness in the NFL. It's, it's probably gotta be Joe judge's way. And he, that press conference after that 11 minutes, I can't imagine there's a player in the league that's going to want to go to the giants. And the other thing that he said is there's guys coming to his office every week begging them to re-sign him. Practice squad guys? <laughs> Third team guys? There's no one. There's there, there's no one. They got blown out by a bad Bears team. Matt Nagy coached. Bears yes, team. exactly. So when you get out-coached by Matt Nagy, that's when you know it's probably coming. Did you see how many passing yards the Giants had? I saw at one point Mike London was one for three for three yards. If you had a guess, 76, negative 10, Jesus, they finished the game with negative 10 passing yards. And, you know, he, he tried to blame Jason Garrett for the offense, but when it's Freddie kitchens waiting, what were you expecting? Negative 10 passing yards. It's bad. The last thing I'll add to this, former Patriot assistant coaches turned NFL coaches. Matt Patricia ended up a disaster end in Detroit. Josh McDaniels ended up a disaster end in Denver. Romeo Cornell did not work out. Charlie Weiss had some success with Brady Quinn at Notre Dame, but after that, it did not work out. And now you got Brian Flores in Miami, who after two years, people think he's a great coach. I'm going to get to a little bit of Tua stuff later in the, in the all-around five. But leaving, leaving Belichick hasn't panned out well for guys, especially the Belichick imitators. And I feel like that's what Joe Judge is doing, and it's just not connecting in the locker room. Why don't you think it works out? You think assistants leaving the best coach in the league would have a lot of knowledge? I think Belichick learned from Parcells, who is the best, like, asshole head coach that could actually tell you what's up and you still want to run through a brick wall for him. And I think Belichick came into the league as a head coach when it was primarily you're still playing defense, running the ball that traditional football guys come in, you know, back up, you know, a rookie quarterback would sit and wait. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers waited. We've, we've seen, we've seen it happen. Now it's a much more player first league. You get a rookie quarterback. I mean, look what happened to Matt Nagy. Like Justin, he wanted to sit Justin Fields behind Dalton, which, you know, I think anybody looks for a reason to crush Matt Nagy. Who know, Like who knows if that's a good or bad decision, but fan bases are impatient now with the access to, social media and the amount of visibility is fans think they're experts so they don't trust the coaches that much so belichick came in at a different time and for the past even as the league has changed he's already had that respect in the locker room and when you win every year it makes it a lot easier so when you're joe judge and you try and belichick somebody and it's like hey you're late to practice go home someone's gonna and find you someone's gonna say hey you know yeah. who the hell are you you haven't done shit yet no it makes sense i think a part of it too is that these assistants in new england and this is just their their MO is you do your job. So they're that's all they do though. If they're 
or the offensive coordinator like McDaniels, he just does the offense. He doesn't know the whole game. He doesn't know the defense, the special teams. He's just so focused on the offense. So when these guys leave, they kind of only know and are locked in on one third of the game and they don't have that complete package. Yeah, I totally agree. And so you don't get a chance to stretch yourself to really see if you're ready to be a head coach. That's another reason why I think Dennis Allen in New Orleans this year with Peyton missing a couple games with COVID, he's won some big games, shut out the Bucks and national TV filling in for him. I think he'll get a look this year. Yep. Um, maybe maybe he'll go to the Giants once they have ties with Joe Judge. <laughs> we'll Who see. Knows? This week's clown of the week, Joe Judge. I don't even want to go to a Giants game, never mind go play for them. So I guarantee you there's no one begging to come back and play for New York as long as Joe Judge is there. Clown of the week. Week 18, extra regular season weekend of football for the first time. Two games on a Saturday, which I'm a huge fan of. And then we wrap up the season on Sunday. All around five, the last three weeks is seven and eight. Last week, a rough one and four. So looking for a strong comeback this week. Really confident in the five games that we have. Feel like we have a good idea of which team's going to be playing their starters. So the theme of this week is I'm trying to stay in games that matter so we know which teams will be playing hard. So let's get started. All around five. Week 18 for the first time ever. Number one. Starting with the game on Saturday, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. And I've got the Chiefs covering 10 in this one. Over the past three seasons, so the past six matchups, you know how many games the Chiefs have won against Denver? I would say a lot. All six. They're 6-0, and including a win on the first weekend of December. And if you look in the current state in the playoff picture in the AFC, the Tennessee – what? The Tennessee <laughs> Titans are the one seed. So the Chiefs obviously have a lot to play for. We know what home field advantage is. At Arrowhead, it could be the difference between the Chiefs cruising back to the Super Bowl or having to go on the road and making it a lot tougher. I still think they're the best team in the AFC. It's just it gives a couple teams a chance that they don't have to go to Arrowhead for that conference championship game. So they'll have a lot on the line on Sunday. Denver, in their last five games, they're 1-4. and four. And in those losses, they've scored 13 points twice. 10 points once and 9 points once. The outlier is they put up 38 on the Lions, which doesn't count. <laughs> and if you look against teams that have that are just better than Detroit, I mean, who Drew Luck, not the answer. Listen, I don't want to go against you on our first pick together, but give me the Broncos defense, give me the altitude. I think they can cover the ten and a half. Now I'm I'm not a good better, but I think ten and a half. It's ten. It's ten even. I'm getting ten and a half. Either way, give me ten, ten and a half, double digits. I don't know. I could see them keeping it somewhat close. Vic Fangio is coaching for his job. Like if he wins this game, like do they bring him back? I I don't know. I think, it again, defensive guy makes sense their defense is good. I think it's more important as a head coach is how you develop your players on both sides of the ball. And with Vic in Denver, they haven't been able to develop a quarterback. Their run game with Melvin Gordon, they like that Jamal Williams kid, but it hasn't been consistent enough. And so I don't, I don't think they bring him back unless – the only reason why I think they might is because this – this rookie quarterback draft class is so bad that they might do another year of this Teddy Bridgewater Drew Locke experiment and let Vic run it, get a total evaluation. They get new owners coming in in Denver in April, which really could just be they want their own guy. They hired their own GM already. So I'm, I think Vic, unless something crazy happens, has a year max left in Denver because I don't think they're going to make this team much better this offseason and bring them back. I think they're going to have a fresh start. Maybe give them a year, get clean evaluations. But I think Vic is is going to be gone at the end of the year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's tough because I think he does some things well as a head coach, obviously, the defense. Offensively, it hasn't been there, but he hasn't had a quarterback. You're talking about Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Like, I don't know how many coaches are going to find a way to win a lot of games with those guys. 
I agree. But when you're a defensive first head coach, you have a really good home field, as you alluded to, and you have a couple good running backs. The offense has just stalled multiple times. They haven't been able to keep the time of possession. And, again, that goes back to me to some strategy, too, as a head coach. Like, you need to do more than, than call plays on defense, right? Like, you're in charge of the whole team at that point. And I think there's also a reason why maybe he was a long-time assistant in the league, right? He's been in the league a long time. took him a while to get this first opportunity. So I think he's done – I think he's done well in Denver. I think the roster is actually better than people think just because the quarterback is so bad. Like, there's a lot of skill guys there. Like, people love that roster. It could be, like, same thing when Peyton Manning went a couple years ago. Like, if Rodgers really wants to leave Green Bay and Russell Wilson Seattle, I think Denver's got to be top two or three on that list. Well, remember there were, like, the rumors before the season that he was going to go to Denver, um, Rodgers was, and Denver – whether this had anything to do with it or not, didn't take a quarterback. They had the ninth overall pick. And at that time, a lot of people were saying Rodgers is going to Denver. So they don't take a quarterback. Rodgers stays, obviously. Um, and now they're in a tough spot where, they, to your point, they have a lot of pieces. But unless they figure out that quarterback situation, it doesn't really matter. I agree. And I think if I, with the draft class, and unless they get Wilson or Rodgers, I think next year we're going to see a very similar Denver Broncos team. And so why not let Rick Fangio have another year? I think, though, they could take a step up with a replacement quarterback that isn't Rodgers or Russ. Like, what about if they get... Because it's, it's, I don't think it's asking much to upgrade from the current situation. Like, you could get a middle-of-the-pack quarterback that is an upgrade, and then you already have a seven-win team are you talking about now a 9-10 win team that's a playoff team? Just a small upgrade. Yeah, and the AFC West has turned into one of the best divisions in football. Yeah. So they need they need a little more firepower there. And it also could be maybe the play calling and the coaching style of conservative offense and let the defense kind of keep you in the game. So even if you get somebody who's slightly better, you need to let them sling the ball, not until the fourth quarter when you're in four-minute offense. You're yeah. to come back two possessions every week. So... I've got the Chiefs covering 10 or 10 and a half, depending on which line you get it. The Chiefs in their last five, they're four and one, including the three point loss to the Bengals. They've scored 22, 48, 34, 36, 34 points in their last five games. They've really learned how to play against that cover two shell. Everyone thought would fix them. I mean, I think it's a simple math equation here that the Chiefs are going to score mid to high 20s and Denver will score low low teens, and that'll cover 10 and a half. Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know if Denver's getting to 20 points. No, I don't think Denver... I think in Denver struggled against pressure. They turned the ball over. I, I see the Chiefs could get a couple short fields this game, and that could help them maybe get into the 30s against a, ton, a tough Denver team. They still have a lot to play for. No, who's going to have a very good game, I feel like? Chris Jones. Yeah. That guy has... he's that That defense is just completely different with him in it totally agree it's i think just like any nfl defense when you can rush four because you have that stud of a defensive end and that means you can drop the rest in coverage and get pressure your defense is different and that's what chris jones lets him do never mind with how much spagnola loves to blitz you get him a couple of guys one-on-one -on -one, you can really disrupt the game drew lock who already turns the ball over holds the ball for a while gets sacked watch out yep i'm with you Chiefs to cover 10.5 against the Broncos on Saturday afternoon. Get some money before we had to do a full slate of Sunday games. All around five. Comeback week 18. Here we go. Number two. I haven't taken the money line yet, but I do have the Eagles covering seven against the Cowboys. I can't believe they're getting seven points in this game at home. Eagles trying to get a spot in the playoffs. The Cowboys don't have a lot to play for with, you know, the Packers already clinching home field advantage throughout the NFC. And looking at the Eagles rushing game, they're first in the NFL this year with 160 yards per game. And the Cowboys defense for all we've talked about with the pressure and the turnovers, they ranked 15th in the run game, giving up 110 yards per game. And the forecast in Philly on Sunday is 40 degrees, cloudy and a 90% chance of rain. This is going to be a ground-and-pound physical game. You get the Cowboys outdoors on the road. I love the Eagles in this game just to take the air out of the football in a muddy game. 
The Cowboys, not a ton to play for, not nearly as much as the Eagles. They get plus 250 on the money line. I'm, I'm thinking about it just with how this game is shaping up. And the Eagles' defense is seventh against the run this year, so it's going to be a tough game to throw the football, so I like their run D to hold up against um, Zeke and Tony Pollard. Dak hasn't been looking to throw the ball downfield. He's been looking a little tentative. Outside of that game against Washington football team on Sunday night, which I just throw away because Washington was out so many players with the COVID protocol, the Cowboys really haven't looked all that good. They only scored 21 points on the road against the Giants in a win. They lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals, where that score was much closer than the game actually was. And you look at the Cowboys on the road this year, they only averaged 21.7 points per game. So getting them out of the dome, they become a much more offense that kind of slows down a little bit. And you give me a 90% chance of rain and that Eagles number one rushing attack. I love the Eagles to cover seven. I'm a game day decision on whether or not I'm going to take a money line. But I will let you know on our Twitter page at all around guy one. Do you think with the weather condition, outdoors, grass fields, Maybe the uh, the Cowboys don't want to play Dak. You know, they're not they're playing for seeding, but not you know anything too important. They already won the division, obviously. Can't get the one seed. Do they just rest him to make sure there's no chance he gets hurt? I wouldn't. I wouldn't play Dak. I think Cooper Rush is a formidable backup who can keep you in this game and give you a chance to win. And I also wouldn't play Zeke, who's been on and off banged up this year. Let him go into the playoffs with fresh legs, especially because I think Tony Pollard's really good. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if them sitting Zeke uh, helps or hurts your bet. Uh, and the other part of this, too, that came out a little bit earlier today is Michael Parsons has COVID. He tested positive today. So there's a good chance that he won't be playing. Obviously, he's the best part of that defense. Um, with the NFL protocols, it's... It, if Michael Parsons has COVID, it might only be a one or two day wait period now. <laughs> it could be, it could be, but I think you know there's a chance he just he doesn't play because of it. Um, even if he's in there, though, Eagles run to you. You touched on it is has been rolling. Hertz has been so good of late. I mean, some of the throws he made against the football team last week, very impressive. Tight windows under pressure. Um, that that team's been rolling. So I love the bet. I'm also a diehard Eagles fan, so that may my bias may be in this, but is Hurts uh, is Hurts the quarterback in Philly next year? Yeah, hundred percent. He um he got him to the playoffs, and from where they started and and what he was doing, they you know week one great game against Atlanta, and then for the next six seven weeks it was it was tough and it was bad. Uh, but you look at that schedule, who they had to play, Chiefs and Bucks and some very tough teams um, early on. I think it was just a rough patch for that whole team. And then they got a little bit of an easier schedule, a little bit healthier. He's been rolling. Um, he's going to maybe finish with 10 wins. He's got nine. He's in the playoffs. He'll be back. Um, and there'll be some high expectations for him as well as Sirianni and this whole team. How many highlighters should Sirianni have in his visor? <laughs> Since he has ditched the... For you to be confident in a win. I want zero because he he was breaking these highlighters out. I don't know why, and then he has like numbers on his stupid visor, and I've never seen him use a highlighter in a game either. No, I don't. I don't know what the highlighters were for, but he ditched the highlighters like in the middle of the season, and things have been going better. So, the more highlighters on his visor, the more concern I have. A highlighter list, Nick Sirianni, is what we're looking for. Yes, we need no highlighters. Eagles plus seven against the Cowboys, all around five, game number two for you this week. Game time decision on the money line, plus 250, at all around guy, one on Twitter, where I will tell you on Sunday if I'm going to hammer the money line or not. 90% chance of rain. Eagles run the ball, control the ball. Dallas, not much to play for. One other thing I like, if, if you look at some some prop bets, um, Eagles running back over. Like Yes, they split the carries between right now Jordan Howard and Boston Scott but whatever that Boston Scott number is I think could be a, a pretty good play all right all around five let's get to our third pick number three 
New England Patriots to cover six and a half against the Miami Dolphins. And you've heard it here first, or maybe for the hundredth time, Tua sucks. And, he, <laughs> and he's, not, he's not the guy in Miami um, from what I've seen this year. He, he's missed some wide open throws over the middle that have gone right to the safeties or to the corners. And he gets to go against the best defense in the NFL, the Patriots this weekend, who have given up 16.9 points per game which is absurd this year. And they're second in the NFL in interceptions with 23 behind the Cowboys. And Tua, in his last four games, he's got four interceptions. He's fumbled five times. He's only lost one of those five fumbles, which is amazing. Lucky. But And his past four games, he's thrown for 244, 196, 198, 205 yards. And in those four games, he didn't complete more than 20 passes in three of those. So he's going against a stout New England defense, pass defense. They don't give up many points. Offense doesn't really turn the ball over to give you short fields and freebies. To me, I think modern-day NFL, there's a, there's, I think you can move the ball pretty well. But when you get in that red zone, that's where guys shine. And, and without a really great running back like Derrick Henry in Tennessee to pound it in, like – that's why you're, you're not going to score enough points to win the game when you kick field goals, especially against a stout number one scoring defense in the league in the NFL. Tua, and I don't think his numbers throughout the year are, are as bad as the eye test. I think it's one of those things where when I'm watching him play, and I mean, not all interceptions are equal, right? Tipped, whatever it may be. He's thrown guys that are wide open. He's missed them by five yards and thrown it right to the defense, which he's had some... They talk about the difference between an NFL window and a college window. He's had some college open receivers like he had at Alabama and just flat out misses them. Yeah. Um, are you scared at all as a Patriots fan and now a Patriots better going to Miami late in the season? How many times has this better Patriots team gone to Miami and just lost? They have, but I think they, they lost week one on a fumble at the end of the game yep. where they were going to kick a field goal to win. Belichick wants to beat his former coaches. And we got Brian Flores down there. He already lost to him once this year. He definitely doesn't want to get swept by a former coach. I think they're going to have intensity. They're going to be excited and confident coming off of a huge Jacksonville win, which against Jacksonville, but they're fired up. They get that momentum coming into it. Guys are getting excited for the playoffs. The Patriots are back. There's a lot of guys in New England last year that didn't play because of COVID or, or missed the playoffs for the first time in a while. They're excited to be back this year. I think they go into Miami and they win by two or three scores. Belichick wants to stick it to Flores after losing week one, especially when they should have won. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I don't know what Miami does with Tua. I mean, I th- so here's... When they, here's who they beat in the past couple weeks before they lost 34-3 to the Titans. The Panthers, the Giants, the Jets, all not playoff teams, and then the Saints, who maybe maybe has a shot this weekend to get in, but they had Taysom Hill at quarterback. And then the Jets, Zach Wilson, the Giants, I think they had Glennon, and then Carolina, you had a combo of Cam Newton and P.J. Walker. That's who they beat. Yeah, they've had a cakewalk of a schedule for the past five weeks um i think they rattled off seven straight wins to get back to even like i i don't know it's tough because sometimes you watch tua and it's like he's making the correct and accurate throw and then there's other times to your point where it's just like he's missing guys by a good five yards i don't think you can miss guys by that much because the nfl you you only get you know, good teams with good coaches, you probably get those three or four plays a game where you get those windows created. So you, you just, you can't miss them because you're not, you're not going to get enough of them throughout the game to come back and make up for it. So, and the running game this year has been inconsistent with some injuries, which I get, but I look at Miami and that defense and what Flores is doing, and it's almost similar to Denver. And again, like two is night and day better than Bridgewater and, and Drew Locke. But it's like if they just got a little bit better there, a little bit, what that team could be. They'd be a playoff team this year. I do love Jalen Waddle. Yeah, Jalen Waddle's been a stud. 
obviously he's got that connection with Tua. I think it helps too that he's he played with Tua, so he's caught from a lefty before, which I know can be tough for some receivers to transition into. But there's a lot for the Patriots here. Belichick, who's a master motivator, especially week one, Brian Flores. You get Hightower back, a couple guys on defense who Flores coached with who they're going to want to beat. I love the Patriots to win by 13, 15 points. Do the Patriots, are they automatically in the playoffs? Yeah. Okay. So they don't have to play for anything. I guess they could win the division if the Bills lose to the Jets. Correct. Okay. And the Jets have looked better the past couple weeks. Zach Wilson, he made some great throws in that Bucks game. And I think a week ago, I, I broke it down on the show who Zach Wilson has for his surrounding cast. Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be close to the worst roster. Like, <laughs> that, it's a bad roster. It's it's one of the worst. And to me, Robert Salah winning four games so far this year has been incredible. I think he's going to be great. I think only the Jets can get in the way of him not being a great head coach and what he's been able to do with very little and his intensity it's polar opposite coaching situations in, in New York right now. God, Adam Gase was a disaster. Quarterback guru. The whisperer. <laughs> Patriots cover six and a half against the Dolphins. Belichick likes to stick it to former NFL head coaches. Number four. A team that's already made me a lot of money this year. They're about to make us some more this weekend. I like the Rams to cover four and a half against the 49ers. The Rams have won five straight, and I get the most of the conversation around the Rams has been Matthew Stafford's poor play, but that's why I like them even more. You look at a Sean McVay offense, and if you said this is how the quarterback's going to play, you'd probably be like, the Rams are going to lose. But the fact that they've been able to do it without their starting running back, Cam Akers, who was a full participant in practice for the Rams, they expect him to play. You get your starting running back back. The Rams are learning how to win games when they don't have their best stuff on offense becoming a complete team. They beat the Jacks 37-7, the Cards on the road 30-23, the Seahawks they ended up covering 10 against, and then the Vikings they won by 7, 30-23, and they eke out a win in Baltimore 20-19. Baltimore is a tough place to play. They find ways to stay in the game. 49ers, it's unknown if it's going to be Jimmy G or Trey Lance at quarterback at this point with um, Garoppolo's thumb situation. Lance got off to a really slow start this past weekend, and the Niners are 3-2 and two in their last five games with... Um, I also, frankly, just love Matt Stafford. And I think he's in his first year with McVay in a new offense, first team outside of Detroit. You thought there'd be some... You thought how he's playing now would have been earlier in the season versus later, but it's kind of like, you know, what they are talking about Mac Jones with that rookie plateau. It's like that first-year plateau. But I think... I think they're finding the rhythm. Um, you lose Robert Woods. You're figuring out, you know, who's going to cover some of that. Odell's been – listen, Odell's been in L.A. for a couple weeks now, and you know what we haven't heard is Odell, which is great because he's just he's just playing football. And so you get Odell Beckham. They're looking for him in the red zone, getting him some touchdown. A happy OBJ is a scary thing for what he can do for this team. I really like the Rams in the playoffs. I especially love them to cover four and a half against the Niners. What if I told you that, you know, McVay and Shanahan are good buddies. Oh, yeah. Going back to D.C., like yep. they've been they've been in the same. Can you, can you watch a McVay or Shanahan game, even if they're not playing each other without that coming up? <laughs> no. Okay. They bring it up 24-7. You can't do a game without talking about who Sean McVay is friends with. No. It's like how they, um, anytime you see, it, it'll probably come up in this game when Matt Stafford's playing, and they're like, did you know that he grew up with Clayton Kershaw? And they always go to the flashback pictures of those two like playing Little League together. Um, but McVay and Shanahan, last five times they've gone up, Shanahan 5-0. and He's owned McVay. And I don't know if it's something that he knows about McVay that other people don't, but there's been plenty of times where McVay has the better team and Shanahan still wins. So that's my one concern here is that Shanahan just has his number. It's in uh, or at the 49ers place. Like, I don't know. I could just see them pulling out another win because they have to win. They don't have to win this game necessarily. But um, if they lose it, it opens the door for the Saints. Maybe if this was at Candlestick. 
couple years ago, I'd be nervous about the home field, but Levi Stadium. It's not even close to San Fran. It's not the stick. No, it's not the stick. I do, I, I do agree with that. The five and zero from Shanahan's impressive. There's got to be something he knows, but again, McVeigh being how competitive he is, it's, it's almost at some point you're due. I think the Rams coming in this game just so much more talented. The 49ers have just been crushed with injuries most of the year, um, even though they get Kittle back. What Debo Samuel's done in San Fran's been incredibly cool. He's just, awesome. Um, you know, out of the backfield, he's got seven rushing touchdowns, wide receiver, just the, the definition of dynamic, which is a word that gets overused now. That's, that's truly a dynamic player. Him and Cordell Patterson in Atlanta. To, right now... That that stat does scare me, and I saw it as I was going through deciding on games that I like for this weekend. But anytime I can get the Rams under a touchdown to cover, I I really like them, and I made a lot of money off them this year so far. Do you think that Stafford played well last that last game? No, I don't think. Like you look at the stats at he the end of the day. Well since the Arizona game. He didn't play well in Seattle. He didn't play well in Minnesota, and he didn't play well in Baltimore. He's missing guys. He's just missing guys that are open. He's making bad decisions. He threw the ball to Odell in triple coverage when he had a guy underneath wide open for an easy first down. Like he's. I, I think it's I think it's Kansas City from October where Mahomes was forcing it too much. They were trying too much to show off their razzle dazzle, force the ball down the field. I think McVay will look back at Stafford, kind of like what Kansas City learned. And show them where the check down is, take it, keep the ball moving versus forcing the big play first option. He's not getting off that first option. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's He's forcing that ball, and you think that conversation would have happened by now with McVay <laughs> telling Safford to get to those second and third options, but um, he's forcing it and he's missing guys. So I also. I also think you go into Seattle, which their defense is very good. I think the Rams go in against Minnesota, and they think they can get it. Baltimore's secondary has been bad, so that's probably been some game planning where they, they'll go in and have much more respect for San Francisco and be much more alert of those checkdowns from a game plan perspective. Could be. Yeah, I um, I would personally take the 49ers here. Anything over a touchdown I think is fine for four and a half. Um, just based on that track record and how well the 49ers have been playing. I mean, they have been playing well. They're one of the more hot teams in the past five, six weeks. I like it. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Um, producer Tim, 49ers covering four and a half. And the all-around five, I have the Rams covering four and a half. They've been good to me all year. I think they got one more for me before we get to the playoffs here. Week 18 of the NFL season, we've got one more pick for you. All around five, redemption week. Number five. The Sunday night game, Chargers, Raiders. I love the Raiders. They get three and a half points here. Their money line is currently plus 145. I love them to cover three and a half. They've won three straight, Cleveland, Denver, and Indy. They're sneaky 11th in the league in total yards on offense with 378 yards per game. They get Darren Waller back. And the Chargers are 2-3 and three in their last five, including an awful loss to the Texans. Those two wins, Tim, are the Giants and the Broncos. And they're dead fucking last with Rundy in the league, giving up 136 yards per game. When they played Houston, they made Rex Burkhead look like a pro bowler. He set his career record in rushing yards against them. And everyone since... Since Brandon Staley, first-year head coach, had that clip go viral of him a couple months ago talking about um, some social justice reform, or the John Gruden. It was a John Gruden stuff, right? Where, you know, he came out as, like, oh, that's not okay, whatever. Got a bunch of people. But he's supposed to be a defensive guy, defensive coordinator from the Rams. Yep. Worst rushing defense in the league and worst rushing defense I've seen in a long time. Guys are walking it in. And their game management, too, has been poor. Some really questionable going forward on fourth down decisions because it's the analytics. But you need to have some feel of the game, which I think he's missing. And the Raiders the Raiders felt like they were out of the playoff hunt five weeks ago. And somehow they've been clawing away, winning these games, and something gives me the sense that they're going to do the same thing at home 
Sunday night against the Chargers. I love the Raiders. I mean, that stadium is going to be packed. It's going to be loud. It's going to be blacked out. Um, Vegas on a Sunday night for the Raiders to get into the playoffs. To get into the playoffs. It's incredible. Um, They just beat a very good Colts team. They're playing well. Derek Carr definitely misses some guys from time to time, but they they push the ball downfield. And you can do that against the Chargers. You can take advantage of this Chargers defense that – has been spotty all year. Um, they're going to run it. Getting Waller back's huge. So I love the Raiders too. I, I think they would probably just win this game. I think the three is a nice cherry on the top to have, but I, I just like the Raiders to win and get into the playoffs. Yeah. I always give one money line pick every week with dollar round five. You may get a second this if I go with the Eagles on Sunday, but the Raiders money line at plus 145 this week, I'm rocking. If, if you're not feeling any, the three and a half, like you said, it's a nice bonus. I also... I really like Justin Herbert. I really like Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, like what they've done offensively. But there's something about the Chargers. You get to November, you get to December, and something's just always missing. And I get that same feel of them here where it's a player two in the game. The ball, it's just going to go the Raiders' way. A bad penalty, um, a turnover, and it's not against Herbert. It could be a, you know, a fumble, something else. That has gone the Raiders' way up until this point this year. Historically, that's always gone against the Chargers. My gut feeling is the Raiders find a way to win this game. I think it's going to be very close. Yeah, I think it'll be a close game. Um, and and maybe this this what you say here is based on the outcome of this game. But you think the Raiders are bringing back Rich? I don't. I don't know how you don't bring back someone that gets you to the playoffs. So if they win this game and get to the playoffs, I think you have to bring them back. But I think we've seen teams that have done that in the past end up failing pretty quickly. Like Cleveland, Freddie Kitchens, they retained him. Um, that really didn't work out at all. <laughs> Did not. Um, so I think there's a magic to an interim head coach, especially with the way you know Gruden left. Um, but I don't think he's like – I also think Derek Carr, again, this offense has done really well this year. He's a special teams guy. He's probably just kind of, I think Gruden built the foundation through the offseason and training camp, and he's been able to stay out of the way. Yeah, I mean, I give him a lot of credit because it could have got ugly after Gruden gets fired, and then you have the whole Henry Ruggs incident, which was <laughs> very no, sh- great point. shortly after. And it's just like I, that team could have just blown up and had a disaster of a season. So the fact that he not only kept it together, but has a very good chance to get them in the playoffs. It's pretty incredible. So I give him a lot of credit. I think you have to bring him back just for what he was man- able in managing uh, the situation this year. Um, and then just see what happens next year when he's back. And So, again, I think he gets big kudos whether they make the playoffs or not. I think the emotional choice is to bring him back. I don't think it's the best choice for the organization. Yeah, it may not be in the long run because maybe he just isn't a guy that's going to be a great head coach. Time will tell, but I think at least he deserves a chance based on what he did this year. I, I'm still, I'm still not sold. I think my opinion of it is Gruden was there long enough to set a foundation that he could kind of keep going. You know, Derek Carr's been in the league a while. You get some veteran at quarterback. I totally agree with the Henry Rugg situation, but I, you know, and also I didn't know who he was until Gruden left. Yeah. Granny is taking advantage of the situation, but like, I, I'm not, I'm not sold. They win this game. He'll probably come back. I think there's, I think a long-term would end up being a mistake, which is, which might be an easy choice because most coaches don't work out. But I think here we've seen it before interim coach, you make the emotional choice. He's. I'd like to see them bring in someone that was similar in the offensive mind with Gruden as they were starting to build that foundation in Oakland. Yep, we'll see. All right. All around five, week 18. Um, Eagles covering seven. The Chiefs to cover ten and a half. The Patriots to cover six and a half against the Dolphins. I've got the Rams covering four and a half against the Niners, which Tim disagreed with so we'll see what happens and then the Raiders money line plus 145 in the week 18 and regular season finale against the Chargers um they also are getting three and a half right now um just as a bonus 
Do we have a listener submitted question for um, advice today? Yes, yes. I will dig that up so we can uh, awesome. go through that one. All around five, week 18, going to come back strong. Coming up next, All Around Guy podcast, our first listener submitted question. Stay right with us. Our first ever All Around advice. You can hit up the show at our Gmail at all around guy podcast at gmail.com to submit your questions. Tim will review them and pick the best one for air. Tim, what do we have this week? All right. So going forward, we need to keep it a little bit shorter because this email was a long one. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but to summarize, this guy has a friend who he's known for a long time and throughout their friendship, Uh, His buddy has been in and out of relationships. And when he's in a relationship, this guy never hears from his buddy, Um, never wants to hang out, just is completely ghost. And then when he breaks up uh, with the girlfriend, all he wants to do is hang out, text him all the time, yada, yada, yada. New relationship stops hearing from him. Um, So he's just trying to figure out, you know, what should he do? Should he try to like, keep seeing his friend, even though that he's not helping or making any kind of outreach uh, because he's dating someone right now. So I think we all have a friend like this in the friend group who, if they don't have a girlfriend, they're not happy. They're like the serial dater. Right. And in no matter what you do, like the girlfriend's going to come along or they're just going to have their head in their phone texting the girlfriend if she's not there. So like, I think anybody that's got a group of like four or five guys, like the percentages are you have one of those guys in your group. And I just feel like that's just, it's going to be more common. Cause even if you have a friend who is not like this, there is a difference between when he's in a relationship or not. Like you're just in a relationship, you're going to have less time to hang with the boys. So that's going to happen no matter what. But um, yeah, to your point, there's always that one guy that just, Gets a little too uh, in love with the the new girlfriend too quickly, and you just stop hearing from him. Here's here's what here's the question: because if you like hanging out with them, then typically you can make it okay. You know, like you can hang out with them. Girlfriend can like sit on her phone if she's not the most social, or maybe once in a while, you know, you get when you like or when you're with the guys, it helps. But based off of the email, it sounds like even when he's single and wants to hang out, you don't even want to hang out with him. (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't want to hang out with him and then, you know, now he's single and he hits you up. Like I know after a breakup, I'm hitting up my closest friends, right? Like you want to go with your closest guys, get drunk with your closest guys with your closest friends. So it sounds like when he's dating someone, he doesn't hang out with guys period. So you're probably still one of his closer friends which puts you in a tough spot because you feel bad. Yeah, you kind of have to be like the uh, the fun friend. You know, your buddy get, breaks up but, with someone, they're sad. But here's what I'll tell you is, and I don't know how, did they say how old they were? No, it didn't have the age so on no it. no age, and, and, and it really doesn't matter because at some point you reach an age, I've already reached it, where you're too fucking old to give a shit and waste time. So like, yeah. use your time the way you want to use it and use it on the people that you want to use it with, especially if you feel like, and use might be too strong of a word here, but when you know someone's intentions for hitting up with you, like, oh, you know what? I don't have a girl to hang out with. Now let me let me hit up my guys or my guy again. Like, fuck you. Like, I why do I have to now remake plans or do something that you want to do after six months you stop talking to me to date this girl? That's that's not okay. And if you don't even like hanging out with him in general, why waste your time? Yeah, maybe it gives you like a way out from not having to hang out with him, especially if you don't like uh, the girlfriends he dates. Absolutely. I'm I'm right now, and it, I've been like this now probably for the past few years where I, I have my close friends, the people that come and go. If I happen to run into them, like if I'm doing something as a group where we're all going to the bar, that's a great time to invite them and say, hey, tag along. But you don't have to do one-on-one shit. You don't have to go out of your way to get dinner or go out. Just invite them to the group stuff. That way you can kind of pass them along. He'll have somebody to talk to. Maybe bring, if you got a girlfriend or she's got friends, because you know if he loves girls, he'll just go off and talk to them. But don't do anything out of your way for that friendship. Just group stuff only. Invite him to that. Let him stay busy on his own. But you don't owe, you don't owe him anything. 
I feel like uh, everyone has friends that are one-on-one friends. Like you'll hang out with them just mm-hmm. by themselves, and then you have like group friends. We're, so you're like, we're, we're one-on-one friends. Yeah, 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 we we got to the one-on-one, but it's like you know you you have those friends that are like that. That's like, oh absolutely, I'm not gonna just go like. I have very few one-on-one. <laughs> yeah, most most of the friends at this point, and that's how it gets like later in life. A lot more one-on-one friends become group friends. Like I'm not gonna just hang out with you one-on-one. Exactly. And, and you know, with group message now on iPhone, you know, maybe he's sent out to the group of guys and, you know, maybe I feel like in the group of guys, you get that one guy that's always going to respond because, you know, they have to. I'm I'm not that person. I'm good. Not, I can live with not you respond. never respond. I don't respond. I'm good with not responding. If I happen to want to do it, I'll jump in at the last minute. But don't feel like you have to respond or do anything out of your way. Let let them go. Date somebody break up with him, figure it out on his own, date somebody. And you know what? You do it once. Like when he breaks up with somebody once and you're not you're not all the way there for him that first week or two, he'll probably maybe figure it out on his own if he's got any self-awareness. And if he doesn't, you'll know even more that you made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, very true. Anything to add that I missed? I will say the only time you are responsive in a group text is if we're trying to plan a tea time. I'm, I'm all over the tea time. Um... We're not sponsored by them, but I prefer tofcom because they have no booking fees. They're my go-to. Um, so not not paid to say that, but little tip, little tidbit for the listeners. Hey, maybe we'll get them on. Maybe we'll get them on. Um, first ever all-around advice at allaroundguypodcast at gmail.com. Submit your questions. It could be anything about life, sports. You name it, Tim will read them. Select them for the show. Week 18, NFL season. Thank you so much for Tim for producing and jumping on the podcast today. We will talk to all of you again early next weekend to recap week 18 playoff picture. Have a wonderful weekend, NFL football, Saturday and Sunday.